Well, yeah, the environment's changed. Uh, everyone's talking about Ireland and Scotland. Uh, so we're chasing those guys. So on, 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 on and now you know you sure, got sure Scotland. We, we Scotland's a darling of European rugby. Every time the ball goes from side to side, people get excited. I'm joined here by Stephen Jones, um, rugby correspondent at the Sunday Times, doyen of, of rugby writing. Stephen, steady, you've, steady. <laughs> you've seen a lot of these <laughs> Calcutta Cup games. I mean, do you get that feeling that that England are are a better side and should win? And are we just hoping that? The Scotland show up, which we haven't always said about Calcutta Cups here in the past. I think all all all, your, all those feelings you suggest, I do have. Um, I think England England are the better side. And Chris, we've been there so many times on this occasion and thinking maybe today Scotland, maybe today. And it's so rarely been their day. There was only once years ago when it poured with rain and it was a different sort of game. I think Scotland have got it all to do today. I really do. And uh, and as you said, the, the 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 big match so far was the one against Wales. Not so much the the, the bone to back against France because they. Were so poor that day. It'll be a massive turnaround if Finn Russell finds his form. A lot of guys keep their form uh, and I think he's going to probably get worse. I see England winning by 10 to 15 points this afternoon. And we might as well ask you, since you're here, Terry, Scotland, England, would that be a England. tough one? Yeah, I don't think they're strong enough. They haven't got enough strength, Scotland. They're not physical enough and I think England are giving a bit of a battering up there. Bumped into some of the RFU hierarchy earlier on today in Edinburgh, Martin, and they, they're very confident. <laughs> Welcome back to the Scottish Rugby Blog Podcast. I am Cammy Black and I'm joined this week by Rory Baldwin. Hello. And Al Kerr. Hello. Uh, if you're listening to this, then we have successfully transferred to ACAST. Um, you saw uh, you might need to update your settings, although if you need to update your settings, then presumably you're not listening to this. Um, we uh, are also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn and anywhere else that you can uh, get podcasts these days. Uh, you can leave us a review uh, on Apple Podcasts. Please do. Um, like somebody did this week, uh, although we only read reviews that give us three stars or more, uh, so you can uh, have a guess as to how many stars that person left us. Um, apologies to everyone who was offended by the first part of last week's podcast, uh, especially the person who said it made them feel physically sick. Uh, anyway, uh, I did get a text from the lads at Regional Indie Disco um, who uh, have said it'd be bad luck if we don't have them back so i don't know what you guys <laughs> think of that um the text said no pressure but basically it's bad luck if you don't have us talk and then he did a swear word about scotland before games um so we might just see how we get on uh against ireland maybe have them back if things don't go that well uh, if you want to get in touch with us what do you say, what do you say? i was gonna say if we need a bonus point against italy we'll get them back on yeah yeah <laughs> uh, Jimmy Neal. Get... oh yeah maybe well yeah that might help. Um, if you uh, need to get in touch with us, you can leave a comment on the blog, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. On Facebook, facebook.com slash scottishrugbyblog. We're on Twitter at scottrugbyblog. I'm at Cammy Black. Uh, and we've also got this thing called email that we only seem to get uh, complaints through, which is uh, podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. But that is probably the best shot if you want to write more than um, a few a few hundred characters. Um but I'm not sure what we're going to talk about this week. Um, there wasn't really an, an awful lot that went on at the weekend. Um, either of you guys read anything interesting um, before the game this week that's worth talking about? 
one or one or two one or two things were were brought to my brought to my attention. Uh, um, I mean, it was a bit a bit strange because I actually thought that everything you know the build up was being quite smooth, and uh, it, it sort of seemed a little bit like everyone was being fair and fair and balanced. But it turns out that they have separate editions of the newspapers up here. So um, actually, somebody people sent us the the sort of uh, the English versions and. Uh, yeah, um, in some some interesting interesting articles in the in the Daily Mail for starters. Um, our our old uh, our old pal Sir Clive Woodward and uh, Chris Foy as well had had some uh, had some interesting things to say. I mean, it might just have been the headline writers. We know that the headline writers like to uh, sort of over egg things a little bit. Um, but the the main one was uh, rivalry. It's been a total mismatch, and England should stroll it again, again in capital letters. Uh, just to rein, reinforce <laughs> this superiority, um, Dylan um, Hartley. Yeah. I mean, he opens. Dylan Hartley was just out of school and yet to embark on his professional rugby career when Scotland last scored a try against England at Murrayfield. Was that so, was know, that school in school in New Zealand? Could have been, yeah. Um, and there's all sorts of stats about how young all their players were since Scotland last did anything useful against England. And then Sir Clive, if they do all their jobs, England are unstoppable. And he had. Uh, he also, um, we're in for an absolute treat. This is a game England will win well and decisively. Mm. Yeah, we, we, we stuck a lovely montage at the uh, front of the podcast um, with some choice quotes, so you may have heard that already. Um, Al, did you say you'd heard Ugo Monje saying something ludicrous? Well, on his uh, yeah, I mean Ugo's Ugo's been uh, waxing lyrical, um, in particular about Finn Russell. Um, I think he said Finn Russell needed to pack his factor fifty because he was going to be under incredible heat from the England back row and uh, and and the English backs. Um, that that didn't seem to work out so well for Ugo. Um, I, in fairness to Ugo, I do believe he did he did uh, eat a fairly large portion of humble pie. Uh, on the BBC podcast earlier this week. However, he did seem to suggest it was just down to the fact that England, you know, it wasn't really that important to them and it was just that we really wanted it. So, you know, he gives with one hand and he taketh with the other, does, uh, does Big Ugo. Um, yeah, Clive Woodward did something after the match that, that did something very similar um, where he managed to somehow um, praise Scotland and then then also praise England somehow with this sort of weird... S, you know, and a crap sandwich, as I think I described it, um, which is uh, wow, totally deserved win for Scotland. Brilliant for Townsend. Will be a long night for Eddie and his players. Welcome to the club, but history will show this could be the making of this team. But hats off to Scotland. Brilliant performance and deserved win. Um, so that's Clive being as gracious as ever. Um, we had a couple of a couple of people uh, send us examples when we did a shout out for these on Twitter. There's uh, Craig Watson, the photographer. Um, has a great Stuart Barnes uh, opening paragraph, which uh, the headlines: England hold all the aces, and it said uh, Scotland will not beat England in Edinburgh. They are not good enough. <laughs> so that, that's the first two sentences yeah, of that. Did you think uh, if we played them in Glasgow, we would do better? I mean, was it just the Edinburgh part that was the problem? Maybe he's maybe he's thinking that maybe we should have played them in Pataudry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the snow, that worked out well before. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the old generalist sent us uh, the Guardian's um, live um, live text preamble, which said, um, 
It is unlikely to be all rosy for the Scots after this one. England are heavily fancied to run riot and it's tough to see how they will break down one of the world's best defences, one that is only too happy to infringe legally. England are on a seven-match winning streak against the Scots who have won eight of their last nine matches on home turf. So uh, that was not all great. And then somebody else sent us one. Another Stuart Barnes one. Um... Said Scotland needed a, a dollop of foolhardy play from France to turn around the last game, whereas England were hugely impressive for 20 minutes against Wales. 20 minutes, wow! Whole 20 uh, minutes. Whole 20 minutes. <laughs> I suppose so often, I mean, person... we to talk, we were we were deeply unimpressive for 80 minutes against Wales. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so often poor starters. Few have mentioned that the the two fast starts made by England and at Org as well. Um, so yeah. Um, I think um, if if you are not Scottish and you're listening to this podcast and you're expecting us to be gracious winners, then um, you might want to turn off now. Um, shall we? Shall we talk? Let's talk about the game because um, th- there's a lot to get through. Um, I have purposefully shortened um, the, our other sections this week just so we've got um, we can get through everything. Um, if we look at you, did the player ratings, Al? I did. Um, so. Uh, so I think we've not done this for a while, but I think it's probably one of those games that warrants it. Um, no zeros, I think you said at the start. Spoilers. Um, but Stuart Hogg, <laughs> I think, I think uh, you, you've said, and I think um, I think it might have been uh, the guys on Blood and Mud were saying um, that you know he, he's he seemed to be quiet, but I think because he was trading on his reputation of just sort of drawing guys in and letting everybody around him play a bit. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, you know they're kicking. Um, the ball, they're deliberately kicking it away from Hogg. So they're actively trying to negate Hogg, you know, opposition uh, during the game, which just means then that uh, it creates more space for the others. I mean, you know, I think Hugh Jones is a prime example of somebody, you know, who's able to capitalise from that because it's just, I think he, you know, Hogg is so dynamic, regardless coming in from a, you know, a standing start. I think he just, defences are absolutely poop scared of him. And it's, I mean, it's fantastic, but it's creating spaces. Up until recently, though, you, have we had the players in the positions to take advantage of that? Yes and no, but it's more and more increasing. You know, Jones is getting that, you know, it's taking advantage. Maitland, likewise, had some really good breaks, actually, on, on Saturday. So just having Hogg on that pitch and his, his just his skill set just scares the life out of defending teams. And it just means that everything else, everybody else has just an extra half second in which to consider what they're doing. So again, seven and a half, he didn't light the world up, but he was key, I think, in just creating some spaces and keeping the English defence honest. And then uh, Rory R went for seven out of ten for Tommy Seymour, who maybe, probably out of all the backs, had had the quietest day. Um, And unfortunately sort of injured towards the end but yeah it's still a good game yeah i mean he he, play, he played probably he played his best game in a, in a while in a scotland shirt um and it was quite interesting that actually he was more sort of direct than you, you know usually he, he kind of goes for jinking runs quite like hog but he was actually um a couple of times he just he just took the ball and he kind of just set picked a straight line and just ran it um and it was quite good to see a little bit of direction from uh from from Scotland in general, just uh, there was. I mean, I said to Al when we when we watched the game back um, in the evening, um, you could see Barkley a lot of the time. That you know, it would come to him a first receiver, or whatever, and he would just he would sort of have a look around, decide no, now's not the time, and just he would just truck it up straight. And I think that keeps keeps the defence close into the ruck. 
keeps them honest. And I mean, a lot of the players were doing that, and they were making the space that the, the you know the other backs needed. Yeah, there was there was a lovely moment. I was watching it back. Well, I was watching. I watched part of it back last night, and there was just a moment. Um, and I think it might have been Seymour sort of ran past Barkley, um, and Barkley sort of just patted him on the back and just shouted, "Go, go, go!" <laughs> <laughs> just it's not something you see very often in an international match. Something be good. <laughs> yeah, um, it's probably worth talking about Hugh Jones and Pete Horn as a pair, partly because uh, Rory, you went for Pete Horn as man of the match. Um, which I would I would agree with, but um, Al, you've you've given him point five less than Hugh Jones. Um, did he score it, two I, tries? Did he score two <laughs> tries? <laughs> did did he drag seventeen Englishmen round his ankles over the line? If he does, he gets that point five. Yeah, I mean to be fair, um, the the more that I watch it back, the more uh, Horn slightly slightly arsing up that. Um, that pass to Watson, which would have been, mm. you know, that was the bonus point there. There was like a three-on-one overlap. That that sort of winds me up a little bit more every time I watch it. So I think actually, if I if I'd been writing the report again, I probably would have given man of the match to McAnally, who actually gets better every time I watch the match. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I agree with Al scores. Um, Hugh Jones probably had a has a slightly better game on on the balance of it, but um, they were both excellent, and none of the sort of defensive worries that we that we had really really materialized um i think uh yeah i mean and jones was he would jones was pretty high in the tackles tackle stats as well so i mean he was he was doing that doing that thing that gregor likes to have a center sort of leading defense yeah i mean yeah, it's quite in... sorry you go up no no i was just gonna say i mean i was almost late to this pod because i was finishing building my altar to Hugh yeah. Jones uh, and I have, I have, I have a sub altar that sits next to it for the dude that looked on wiki to see the Scotland flag next to his name when he was playing for yeah. his uni team he gets a mini altar to go with him Hugh Jones is just he is he is genuine world class and I, I, you know, yeah. sat, he scored two tries against England last year in an absolute horror show he scored two tries this year uh, in probably the best performance we've put in since, I don't know, six months in New Zealand. Um, he's he's just lightning. But as Rory said, defensively, solid. Never really didn't let the side down at all. Um, you only have to listen to, you know, some of the other nation's pundits, you know, some of the, the other podcasts that are out there. And they're all kicking themselves because everyone had dibs on them, pretty much. I mean, yeah. I think them in... Italy could have probably found some connection to Hugh Jones if they so wanted. Um, he seems to be one of those sort of players. But they're all kicking themselves because they've all missed the boat. And he is he is the premier centre in the Northern Hemisphere at the moment. And I include yeah. that over the top of Farrell. Who better than Chris Harris. Even better than, even better than Chris <laughs> Harris. Imagine such a thing. Well, I mean, it um, could be... Is it interesting, actually, because... Um, the other Farrell that plays for Ireland, he was injured himself in training. So Ireland are, uh, are looking for a 13 for the game against us. There's a possibility that um, that their uh, their wonder wonderkin Gary Ringrose might be fit. So that would be that would be quite a quite a contest if the if the mm. two of them were. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think he's just coming back from injury, so um, it, it might it might not be ready in in time. But uh, that could be a could be an interesting one. It was interesting actually that the the first Jones try where he. Um... I think it's uh, Finn Russell puts the little grubber kick through. And actually, I, I hadn't noticed it, although I was in the stadium and I hadn't really noticed it at the time, but someone's tweeted it or a video of it afterwards, is that um, a lot of it's down to the fact that Farrell comes out of the line and takes um, 
takes Finn Russell off the ball, mm-hmm. leaving this sort of huge gap where I think there's like five lumbering England defenders all trying to pick up this ball. <laughs> which, 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 back, yeah, sorry, back with, which actually, off Jones's I, knee. Yeah, and if Harold, if, if Farrell had hadn't sort of rushed out and decided to have handbags with Finn Russell, which you know you, you're never going to sort of get Finn Russell to rise to that sort of thing, uh, then I don't think he would have scored that try because I think probably Farrell would I mean, be there to cover the bubbling ball. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting. I was listening to, uh, I don't know if you listen to the Egg Chasers podcast, which is pretty, you know, English centric, but they were dissecting stroke, you know, uh, having a sort of a wake over the, the outcome of Saturday <laughs> from their perspective, which as a Scotsman was quite enjoyable. Um, did they did they play sad music under there? It's like they had the Undertaker theme tune coming on. Um <laughs> And uh, they, but they made, they pulled out a really interesting stat. You know, everyone talks about Owen Farrell and, you know, oh, he's really great in defense and, you know, he's, he's just a big hitter. He might be a big hitter, but the stats of missed tackles Owen Farrell make is frightening. It's like mm. he misses like 50% of the tackles he goes to make or something like 40% of the tackles he goes to make. It's horrifying. If he was Scottish, he would be getting slaughtered by, I don't know, let's, for example, say Clive Woodward or Ugo Monia or some of those guys. But no, no, everyone talks him up. And he is he is flaky, to use a word which was used about a particular Scottish player. He is really flaky in defence. And... Um, yeah. I, 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 on Saturday, that shone through. He he displayed some of the weaknesses on Saturday that Scotland displayed in the you know the reverse fixture last year. He caused those dog legs and he caused some of those holes. Hugh Jones went through them, you know, as you say, you know, a couple of times. Yeah, I think. I mean, he to, for me, he was the only England player that I think probably grasped what that game was about and was the only one that was up for it. Probably a little bit too much, and we we'll, we we might talk about that later on, but. Um, yeah, and I think that's possibly why he's sort of rushing, like you said, rushing out of defence and trying to do... It was almost like, you know, the Sergio sort of Parises of effort, I'll do it myself a lot with Farrell on, um, at the weekend. And that it paid off because he scored a try. Well, he scored the, the only try. Um, but we're not here to talk about England players um, because that's we're not the English rugby blog. Um, but I, yeah, I that centre pairing of Horn and Jones... It excites me. I, I think it's uh, we might have struck upon something. Chris Patterson was talking before the game about the fact that Horn offers you the option of sort of a second distributor at twelve mm-hmm. with a left foot as he, well. He's, and he's also much more solid defensively than I'd really ever appreciated. He put in a mountain of work on Saturday. Yeah, and and all that despite the fact that apparently again they were saying before the match he he models him so he watches a lot of Owen Farrell so even despite the fact that he watches a lot of Owen Farrell he's very solid in defence. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I again I, I think it probably you know if, you, if we um, we'll come on to Finn Russell in a minute but I think I wonder whether or not having Horn outside of him sort of takes that pressure off Russell a little bit and allows Russell to do his own thing if he's not got the pressure of being. Sort of the the only one that can distribute. Yeah, I think. Compared I mean, to when I you've got you're, like you're Harry, you know, right. when you wait, yeah, when you've got Jones, when you had Jones outside of him uh, against Wales. Yeah, I mean, I think um, uh, it it probably it probably works better, um, and certainly having the having the familiarity is is helpful. I mean, I think Dunbar would have been would probably have been fine at twelve, but. Dunbar gives you the defensive stuff, but he doesn't have, you know, half the um, the sort of attacking attacking skill of Horn, who 
well, other than that, that Pritchard offload is, is a very good passer of the ball. Um, yeah, and, I mean, I think the point about having a second first receiver effectively is, you know, is right, and it really suits the Scotland game plan because if you think about it, you can split, you can split your back line any time, mm. you know, by because you can go to Russell or you can go to Horn. Horn won't let you down, so you can either, you know, you can play a, you could almost use Horn for setting up your tight game, and then you have Russell for doing the flamboyant stuff. So it really does fit into the the Townsend sort of structure. Um, and I mean, I, I you know I th- I've always thought Horner was a good player, but it's been the last couple of games I've been I've I've been super impressed with, yeah. with Horner. He's he's really come on. I remember watching. I think sort of late in the in the both games, in fact, the France game and the England game, Horn immediately he sort of not immediately he um he started carrying sort of more directly and and kind of almost doing the Alex Dunbar role, which was quite interesting. I mean, there was one time um, Scotland tried the sort of the Johnny Sepson wraparound thing. And or that's what it looked like they were doing, but actually he just popped the ball to Horn, who just batted it up the middle, and the defence yeah. looked to look because they were expecting it to come back to Finn to loop, and Horn just said, "No, I'll take it, I'll take it on," and on off he went. Um, and I think that, I mean, he, made, he made that that gives them his options to you know to keep a, keep a defence honest. Yeah, I mean he made the break within about the first minute. You know, made a mini break, and it, it just gave. He gives that again. Gives that tempo. The fact that he seems to be able to pick up and go, and he, he can find a line himself. It just adds into that tempo as well. And I mean, and actually, that was straight off the bat, bursting a hole straight through the middle of the English defence. That kind of was the first sign of of the tempo that we were going to be playing at, and, and the fact that we were going to be taking the game to them rather than keeping it conservative. Yeah, um, and then we've got Sean Maitland on the other wing, um, who again, you know. For all the world, looks like he has sort of all the acceleration of a I don't know a nineteen sixties Skoda. But once he gets going, <laughs> once he gets going, it's, I don't know. It's 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 almost like some sort of optical illusion. Is that you, you think he doesn't look like he's going fast, but he but he's covering a lot of ground very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if it's his gait, but yeah, I mean that was a that was as good a game I think as I've seen Maitland have in a Scotland shirt. Yeah, yeah, I mean he, he's he's tackling, he's making the tackles you want him to make, and he's you know he's finishing the simple stuff in the corner for his try. But he's also you know he's going looking for work. He's cutting a few more, uh, cutting a few more angles, and he's actually making a bit of ground with his breaks as well. So you can't yeah, ask for much more. He was you know two things. I mean one is he was flipping the ball in between his legs within the first half. So you know fair play to that. That was ballsy. Did pass it straight mm. to an Englishman, by the way. Um, but at least he was backing himself on the outside so often Maitland has come back inside and it, you know can you make the point obviously he looks like a man running the wrong way down a travelator half the time when he's sort of attacking <laughs> but you know for he was going the right way down the travelator this weekend and and has been you know uh, you know the France game as well he's backing himself on the outside um, and it's it's refreshing to see um, long may it rain because he is he's a cracking player he really is a cracking player mm. but he, he's um he just needs to be getting a run of games again. But I think he's enjoying playing outside of, you know, Hugh Jones, for example, because um, one is he's getting half decent service. And secondly, you know, he's, he's getting the opportunity to, to, to find a bit of space because again, Jones like Hogg is drawing players into him because, you know, he scored what, 10 tries in 14, 14 matches. Yeah. I mean, Maitland's almost, he's like the forgot, the forgotten guy. He's the one that no, he's, he's the, like the, the one that defenses don't see as a threat. So actually getting ball to him is probably a good idea because they're going to be wary of obviously of Russell, of Jones, of Hogg and on of Horn. 
um, and Seymour, you know. So they're almost it's almost like they they kind of they forgot about Sean. <laughs> were, were you about to do a rap, Rory? I would no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take take Big Jim on in a rap battle. No. <laughs> um, and then that brings us to um, to Finn. Um, oof. Oof. Ooh, Finn <laughs> Russell, what a player, man! What a player, guys! Oh. Genuinely, on that performance, as I said in the the ratings, world class, right? Yeah, yeah, and and playing with a smile. I mean, I watched it again. Watched part. I've, I've, I was there at the weekend watching from the stands, but I've watched part bits of. Been able to watch bits of the game since, and just he just smiled the entire way through that game, and and it. Are that, you allowed to that, smile? That, that's good. Not not apparently, according to Clive Woodward, but no, apparently that's bad. Not allowed to smile. Not allowed to enjoy yeah. playing rugby. It's supposed to be all morose. Or if you're Johnny Me watching Disney videos in the lead up to the game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that. That I mean we'll talk about. Let's talk about that pass because there's a lot. Uh, Tom English made a good point. I think I was making similar points on Twitter this weekend that 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 was not. I, I think that was that move was pre-planned. I don't think that was as risky a pass as it looked because everybody in the in the attacking line knew knew where that ball was going. I don't know who it was. Someone rushes out um, to draw the defenders. Just um, no, who rushes out from the Scottish? There's someone runs oh. out of the line for it's there's some a Scottish player runs out of the line sort of as a dummy runner. Yeah. But Horn, Horn actually, tra- not in a sort of panicky way, just sort of slightly changes direction to cover the possibility of an intercept. But it's not a sort of flappy, oh my God, Finn, what what have you done? <laughs> sort of way it was just more, I'll just check this here just in case this doesn't come off. And then Jones comes in from really deep to collect the ball. I don't, for all the world, it looked like Finn just throwing a hopeful pass. I, I think that was a planned move. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's funny because like when we were sitting, we were sitting obviously kind of in in the west stand, and in that was the kind of this is the same angle as you get for the sort of master TV shot, and it, it, from there it looked you thought oh god what's he done? But actually when you, you were you know, when, out of your seat, yeah, right? I was like oh thank <laughs> yeah. he was just settling in to have a good game, and uh, and then but then actually when you watch it from different angles, you see you know it's nowhere near an interception, and actually the accuracy to hit that spot exactly in to know that to you know to trust that Jones is going to be there and moving at full pelt he doesn't have to check his run or anything yep it just it yeah. just hits him right in the bread basket and he's off at a full tilt i mean it, yeah it's it was it is really is a thing of beauty yeah i mean that cam the, I, oh, sorry on you go cam well i was going to say it was the only time in the entire game that the crowd was silent was that split second <laughs> as the pass floated <laughs> across and everyone it was <gasps> collective intake of breath and then uh, yeah i mean the thing is i mean as good as i mean the pass was just i mean it was obscene right i mean off the yeah. wrong hand over the top of jonathan joseph who must have in jonathan joseph was and, and I, I agree Cam. i think this was definitely pre-planned because joseph does that he comes up and looks to get in the vision of the 10 he looks to intimidate the 10 by saying right okay if you want to pass this over the top me on you go fire on Thinking most times, what will happen is they'll either be stupid enough to throw the pass and they'll get intercepted, or they'll decide I'm not going to do that and they'll take it back up inside. The problem is with Finn Russell is he's got the skills there, and to do it off his backhand, I mean, it's just it's mm-hmm. nuts. I mean, it's absolutely nuts. But the bit that nobody I've heard talking about is the timing of Jones's run, because yeah. and, and and you know you talk about 
it being a pre-planned move. And the fact that Jones, he doesn't have to break a stride, he doesn't have to stretch, it is right in his breadbasket. It is something they will have done hundreds of times between club and international training sessions because that was it when it was perfectly executed because he didn't eat and he was off he was absolutely off yeah. i mean in, in fairness to the english defense for covering <clears throat> johnny may showed his pace yeah because i mean yeah. seymour is no slouch you know johnny may had to do he must have had to do a you know he was well past jones when jones caught the ball so he had to do a 180 and get back and he tracked back and got him so i mean he he is rapid but uh yeah i think you know once once uh once they were through that through that line, it was it was try time really. And then just think the general tactic of just you know you I think they obviously cottoned on that against Wales that you know you throw high balls down Mike Brown's channel he's gonna he's gonna deal with them all day so you know stick cheeky wee grubbers through mm-hmm. and make him deal with those and rush up on him so and it it was just everything was. When you went for nine nine point five out of ten, ah, oh, what was the point five knocked off for? Is that just the Brodie nobody gets a ten, or hey, was there a reason he didn't get a ten? I like to think there's room and improvement in everybody. Um, was there any one particular thing he did wrong? Now, see, now you're challenging me because it it felt like a ten <laughs> performance. There was there was a there was a I hospital think, pass quite early on. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he, he he didn't he didn't make the intercept. If he'd made that, then you're dead. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. And yeah. um and in fairness, and I, I think this is probably quite important. Um, I hadn't actually seen the Greg Laidwald video at that point, and of which you know Finn Russell is obviously um instigator in chief. Um, and uh, if I'd known that, then by all yeah. means, he would have been a ten. And it was funny because he was on he was on the is it the rugby pod with uh, Andy Good and uh, Jim Hamilton. Um. He was on that uh, yesterday, today, um, and he was saying that was just a typical Saturday night for him. And you kind of think that probably <laughs> is for Fred Russell, right? Yeah, I mean, God yeah. help the bars in Paris. I think a uh, point off for not having a tie around his head, probably. I know with the fact that yeah, there's there's somebody <laughs> done a gif a gif of it, and we'll we'll talk about the video. And and, and actually, he he looks genuinely concerned for Greg Laidlaw's welfare. Just this very glance across and go. Um, if Finn yeah, Russell's we'll, your nurse, you know you're or, in trouble. Or your wingman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the thing is, I think that Finn Russell probably was the wingman and that was the entire problem. So let's let's <laughs> talk about Greg Laidlaw and the fact that nobody in the world, not even the lads from all three Hangover movies, has ever had as good a Saturday night as Greg Laidlaw looked like he was having on those videos. Um, if you haven't seen them, I was going to play a clip. Um, you can hear a clip on the Blood and Mud podcast. They played it out earlier, but there's a lot of swearing in it. Um, to describe it, I think um, it's Greg Laidlaw with a tie around his head, tearing his shirt open while uh, everybody sings Flower of Scotland. Um, the sweary version. <laughs> the sweary version, the very sweary version. Um, so yes, hence why we're not playing it on, on this podcast, because it's pretty much unusable by the time I bleep everything out of it. Um, but Rory, you were, you were saying after the game um, that we, we maybe, that, that's, I mean, that that's, that's my new... If I had a way of capturing that and putting that on a T-shirt, I would do. I might, I might even consider it. Just get a T-shirt made with it on. But you, yeah, you I think maybe we, maybe we should consider something more. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think, you know, it's it's a little bit like uh, the Star Wars toys when you're when you're a kid. You'd start off with like there would be Han, Han Solo with his waistcoat, and then you'd get Hoth Han Solo, and then you'd get Carbonite Han Solo, and then there was like Endor Han Solo. And I think the I think the Greg Laidlaw. Um, Shirt off, tie round the head. Edition will be the the the, the definitive action figure of Greg Laidlaw, um going forward in the future. 
<laughs> yeah, I think we could put a request out to Scottish Rugby now if anyone's listening with the uh, DVD. We want a special collector's edition that comes with Greg Laidlaw. And when you uh, press a button, he rips his shirt open. That would be, <laughs> be ace. But I think I mean, what was what was lovely about that, and we'll we'll talk about the game. But get back to the game in a minute. But it, like you know, there was no filter on it. There's no media team there, sort of uh, putting themselves in the way the players. Just it was just like you said, Al. That's Finn Russell saying that's his typical night out and. There was a lot of hand-wringing about whether or not that video should have gone viral, whether or not people should have been ripping it off Finn Russell's girlfriend's Instagram or whatever, but it was nice to see. It's a great thing to see the players really enjoying themselves and celebrating that win. And in, in, in the Venn diagram of you know being Scottish and being a rugby player, is it any surprise that there was you know a fairly significant amount of alcohol involved in the centre of that particular Venn diagram, right? I mean, I, I'm Scottish, I've played rugby, and I have been horrendously drunk after the very rare victories we had. I can only imagine what it would be like to go out and stick it over your oldest enemy in probably the most you know fantastic, just wonderful style way that you can. Um, and, you know, more power to them. I think it's great. I think it's, I, I, I think in a serious note, I think it's a fantastic sign of the, the team spirit that Townsend mm. is fostering there. Because if you think about it, if that had been all the Glasgow guys, you would have said, well, that makes sense because they all know each other. They all go and do this. They all know Townsend. They're all kind of used to this. Laidlaw has never played for Townsend before. He's from outside of that circle. But, yeah. he, you know, unless that was, a well, I, now now I'm, I'm thinking about it. I mean, that could have been like, you know, bullying and harassment. Maybe they were forcing <laughs> that <job>. um, <laughs> Presuming it was, you know, he willingly entered into, you know, an act of wanton destruction of his brain cells and liver. Um, I thought it was fantastic. I just think it's, I think it shows where this team is and the, mm. you know, it just as a team and, I, you know, I, more power to them. Um, I'd buy them yeah. a drink if I didn't think it would bankrupt me. Um, Graham, Graham Love on Twitter did he did the stadium tour the day after the game just to see the Calcutta Cup before he went uh, back home, I think. Um, and he uh, on the on the wall of uh, the Scottish dressing room is a thing that says, "Alcohol, be sensible. Alcohol is detrimental to the recovery and refueling process. <laughs> Alcohol impairs protein synthesis. It can delay injury recover. It increases fluid losses. Diuretic <laughs> hangovers play havoc with the aims of recovery days. Um, injuries may occur under the influence of alcohol." So yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they clearly, clearly they were paying attention to that. Um, that's that's just for the Edinburgh lads. Thing. That doesn't apply to Greg. He got he has got Scotland branded, uh, rugby branded though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. um, but I mean, I think the other thing that's uh, if we get, getting back to to Greg's uh, Laidlaw's contribution in the game. Um, I think what it does uh, having Greg Laidlaw on the pitch, I think as opposed to say Ali Price, is it's. And again, this is I was listening to Blood and Mud and they were saying something similar is in terms of the modern captaincy is your captain is there to manage the referee. And I think actually when we were talking about this last week when I was talking about dropping Barkley, which clearly I don't know what I was on last week, but um, <laughs> if, if you've got Barkley there to manage the referee and I think as as a sort of seven, although playing six, he, he is the best person there to manage the referee because he actually understands what the hell's going on. Um you you then have need somebody within the team while the discussions with the referee are going on who's sort of knocking heads together and saying right lads let's slow it down let's speed it up let's and sort of sort of holding Finn Russell's hand which again we've talked about before but and, and I think that's what Laidlaw offers that and and that's what's that that I think that has made the difference certainly in the last two games. 
Yeah, and he's he's also brought pace to his game, though, right? I mean, there won't mm. be a single person listening to this podcast that hasn't sat there and gone, Greg Laidlow's too slow. We need Ali Price. <laughs> he plays the ball quick. I've done it probably in that exact same voice. But it's been really noticeable since he's come back in. Um, and it's, it's it, he's either had this game and it's just never been allowed to play it because that was the game plan was to play it slightly slower. A, or it could be that the water in France does something to you. And I hate then to think how quick uh, Finn Russell is going to play after six months in Paris. <laughs> or it's uh, or it's Townsend's influence on the team and saying, Greg, you have the you have control to to speed it up and slow it down. Because in the the later stages of was it the Wales game where he came on? Um, granted, the game was gone. But he was very meticulous, and he deliberately—he seemed to deliberately slow that game down. Obviously, he yeah. got plaudits for controlling the France game, but on Saturday, he—he uh, he gauged the tempo of the game really well, and and he was fast. He was quick. He was in. He was clearing the ball. You look yeah. at the the third try, line out, quick ball, tackle, quick ball. Hughes and uh, Jones is through. Um, he, yeah, I mean, he's 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 come back in, and I, I think I think I said in this podcast before that I think his time was probably you know on the bench going forward. Stand corrected on that one. He's he's painted back into that nine shirt going forward um, at this point anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think on on the point of him always being slow, I I think it's a coaching issue. I think it probably is instructions because if you think, I mean, how many times have we talked about Scottish scrum halves crabbing? Mm-hmm. You know, over the years and I think that's probably down to the way that successive coaches have wanted Scottish their scrum halves to delay the ball or for some reason or just you know not fire it straight off the base of the rucks and yeah. it can't be that all Scottish scrum halves crab <laughs> you know, I think I think it probably is that Townsend wants to play a quick game and Laidlaw's probably been chomping at the bit to to, to play it yeah I mean you, it's interesting the, the point you're making about the leadership because it it seemed like I mean if you th- if you look at the Wales game they were just sort of playing crazy 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 all the time and it wasn't coming off and the kind of the impression that you might get from the England game was that they were just playing crazy 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 all the time and it was coming off but actually um, Greg Al's right Greg totally varied the, the the pace of the game and the sort of direction of the game he was kind of mm. he was marshalling the way that the way that Scotland were playing so that it wasn't. Um, you know, I mean, people do say, you know, the, the loose forwards who are all, you know, the pack who will come on to shortly, they, they're they not doing much carrying or, or anything. But even though the, the carries are not necessarily going massively forward, they're going forward a little bit. They're not maybe punching huge holes. But actually what, what it did with England was it tied tied their defenders in and actually made the space out wide. Um, so yeah. it's almost like they didn't actually need the pack to... to to do that they just needed the pack to sort of act like a magnet for the up for the english pack and then you know let the backs let the backs free yeah and a lot of that a lot of that was due to you know to greg managing managing it a, a bit better and, and as i'll say it's kind of varying the tempo and i mean the pass for the pass for the second jones try that was him as well i think wasn't it that came straight from the base of the rock yeah uh, so. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, I think, and when he varies the pace like that it just makes the defense question what's going to happen next if you're mm. constantly firing quick ball out then everyone knows what's coming next which is quick ball and mm. it's you know when when you get the sort of disparaging 
comments from Eddie Jones and the like saying, you know, Scotland just play side to side. Well, that's what happens when you get quick ball off every single ruck is everyone knows, well, they're going to go left and then they'll go right and then they'll go left again. Yeah. Whereas if it's if it's being varied, the direction's being varied and the tempo's being varied all the time, then, and you could see it because, I mean, it's sort of, you could see the England defence just was so hesitant because I think we don't actually know what's coming next. And that's, I think that's probably what Greg offers. And, and in a way, it's quite nice to have Ali Price sort of as apprentice to that and sort of seeing and yeah. learning off Greg. Yeah, I mean, it's also worth it's also worth noting that England came back really hard in that last 20 minutes and played probably their best rugby. And yet Scotland still closed it out without Greg on the park. Yeah. Yeah, which again was good to see. I mean, that was that that for me was one of the standout moments. The fact that you know the clock's up, and it must have been so easy for them just to go. Oh, do you know what, lads? Let's just let's let them score. We'll go and get the, the cup, and that'll be you know. And then we can get our ties around our heads. Yeah, let's get out. Let's get out. Do you know, Finn, go to Greg. Greg, come on, me and you down the club now. Look, just let them through. But they didn't. You know, it was sort of like you're not having the bonus point, the lose, try lose. You know, a losing bonus point. Yeah. We're not letting you through. We're going to see this game out, and that was, that was, that was hugely heartening. Um, we'll do the pack. Let's do the. I mean, the front front row. I mean, we. I think at the start of this tournament, no one could have predicted that Scotland would be three games in, and we wouldn't be worried about the pack, the front row, because they they held up. Oh yeah, I mean not just that they got a penalty against the the English scrum, fifty kilo difference, forty kilo difference, whatever it was. They turned them over mm. at the end of the game. I mean, granted, Nell yeah. was on at that point, but yeah. you know, I mean, we've we've been told repeatedly for about Christ knows how long this Scottish pack's powder puff. Well, as far as I remember, I think they turned New Zealand over five meters from their own line, Scottish line, yep. defending. Um, that didn't seem so bad, and that was probably a different front row than the one that I maybe mean, Bergen might have been there again, but it'd be, and McAnally would have been there. But I think you would have probably had Marfa on at that point, maybe. You can't remember quite. Yeah. But you know, you are talking different players, and and prop has been. You know, we have struggled at prop, not anymore. We have we have a plethora of props that I think are are good at this level. I mean, nobody thought Bergen was going to come in and be as good as he's been, and Gordy Reid. I mean, people forget he's a you know World Cup quarter finalist. He has you know yeah. however many caps underneath. He's been playing really well down you know down in, down in England, but he he was really good. I've watched I've watched the game back more times than I should have done uh, since Saturday, and <laughs> uh, just because you know it's it's fantastic. And um, but Gordy Reid, particularly in the first half, he was I can't none of the pundits in advance of the game had said Look, England don't commit to the the, the 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 breakdown and there are holes in the middle of that breakdown and Gordon Reed went straight through the middle of that pack uh, those breakdowns on a couple of occasions um, and an attacking force so you know he, he just picked and went and the, you had pillar and post and nothing in the middle um, and he was you know clever enough to see that uh, he, he had a really good game uh, Gordy Reed yeah. again um, um, very impressive and then Stuart McNally, I mean, um, Rory, you picked him out. You said that maybe on reflection you might have given him man of the match. But, I mean, he, I think he made the most metres of any forward. Yeah, I mean, he's just... he's He's been a, a revelation since the since the autumn, really. Um, I think it's... You know, he started he started the game with that. He had a big... He had a pretty big break early on. He had a huge carry for the um, for the Maitland try. He was, There was a big carry where he trucked it up to the line to make that, that breakdown where the, the pass came from. Um and then, and then he's you know he's played, eight, he played eighty minutes. He he effectively sealed the result at seventy seven minutes with that turnover in front of his own posts. Yeah, um, I mean, I he mean, could nail that, his line out. 
Yeah, I mean, there, that was what seventy-seven minutes. If there was England, if England score a try, then they got a couple of minutes with the way that they were throwing things. You know, they could they could have thought they'd have a chance of that, but he gets that turnover and that that pretty much snuffed it out from there. They were only ever likely to get one score if, if that. Um, yeah, and I mean the line out the line out's been not maybe as good as it was in the autumn when you know it it was it was almost perfect, not quite, but um, it was pretty good in the autumn and. I think it, you know, it worked. It worked pretty well, um, but uh, you know, it, line out throwing is is probably a relatively new skill to him. But but you know, battering people in the tackle and carrying hard or and, and breakdown, you know, as a as a former back row, those are right in his wheelhouse. And I think it just uh, he's yeah, he's been great. And I mean, I was saying to saying to Al when we were um, watching the game, would we even know that if he if he was that good if Brown if Brown had stayed fit and Fordy hadn't got his his yeah. peck injury. Yeah. George Turner was going well in the, in the league for Glasgow. I mean, you might have seen him at sort of third or fourth choice. Would he have Would he have got the games? And it, it's, I mean, it's it's frightening to think that he might just be sitting there playing pretty well for Edinburgh, and we could be struggling in the front row for Scott. You know, the whole tournament. I think. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down. I was thinking about this on the train home um, after the game. Is you look at the Edinburgh players and McInally. I mean, McInally's talked about the work that. Um, Richard Cockrell's done with him sort of one-on-one in yeah, to perf- make him a better hooker. Making it, yeah, and and you look at those Ember forwards and you actually look at the way that if you... Um, uh, come, what was the game? Two week, who were Ember playing two weeks ago when they won? Was it Leinster? Uh, Ulster. Ulster. Uh, Ulster when, that was Leinster. Yeah. Leinster. When, um, when they, beat, they beat Ulster. The they, beat, they beat Ulster at Raven Hill. They beat, I think they beat Leinster in, at Meyerside, didn't they? It was, it was when they yeah, yeah, the scored the chip at the end, end right? It's Dunkey Weir's drop goal at the end of that game. Yeah, that was Ulster. We were talk- Ulster. Ulster. Yes, yeah, so, so we, we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago and just the absolute ferocity of the Ember defence and what a horrible, horrible team they're becoming to play against. And actually, that, there was a lot of that in the defence um, and the forward play on Saturday. And I think that a lot of that comes from Cockrell. I mean, you look at what a hard player Gant Grillchrist is growing into. You look at Simon Bergen, you look at Stuart McAnally. They're becoming horrible, horrible players to play against you would imagine but and that's that's what i think we were saying last week i think on the pod that's what scotland have lacked they've lacked the you know put a swear word in but the the, the bees the sort of the horrible nasty side is sort of coming through and that's that's what we need a bit of the dog about us i think and and we're getting it yeah i mean i, I agreed i mean it is, it is noticeable they're, they're they're becoming very abrasive um you know, particularly those Edinburgh lads. If just to go back to the point that Rory made at the very start of this, and I think looking back on the scores, McAnally is probably the one I would revise up. I haven't watched mm-hmm. the game, as I say, a number of times. His, his work was phenomenal. So I, I would give him... Line-out needs work, so I'm going to give him an extra yeah. point five. I think he gets an eight and a half. He yeah, definitely gets an uptick. And half, yeah. yeah. And then Simon Bergen got over his got over his sort of like nerves that apparently he had where he didn't didn't understand that there was a lot of noise at international rugby um, <laughs> <laughs> um seems, to, you know, seems to have sort of got his head around that now do you know do you know who simon bergen i was trying to rack my brains who simon bergen reminds me of and because he, he's been bugging me do you remember how um there was a spin-off show about fa- from family guy with cleveland and there was a big yeah. german bear i'm sure it was a german bear that was in that <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure. Have a look up. I'm pretty sure that's Simon Bergen. Uh, <laughs> he, he, 
So, sorry, just cropped into my head. I've been trying to remember who you yeah. reminded me of. And it's just popped into my head as we're speaking. <laughs> it's the bear from Family Guy. Tim, Tim the bear. Tim the bear. Yep. Um, then Grant Gale, Kristen, Johnny Gray in second row. I, I, you know, hold your family's close, folks. Johnny Gray, Mr. Tackle. Yeah. Um, that's a blot on the copybook. Um, but 20, was it 24 tackles? Which is ludicrous. 20, I think it's reasonable. It was, I think it was 20. Was it 20? Yeah. I think I was quite the, the office for Johnny, right? Yeah. But I don't, which one of them, was it one of them that came, or was it, I might even, I didn't see, but the, um, because we demolished at least two English malls, which I've, I mean, I can't remember the last time watching an international match of rugby where a mall has been demolished like that. So, so wet, taken apart so effectively as yeah. it was. I'm not sure who it was. I reckon because I was listening on the ref mic and um, was it Nigel Owens was sort of saying he's come legally through the middle and complete, and I don't I I didn't see who it was, but that Gilchrist I mean, that, pulled one down. Um, yeah, I know he got penalised for pulling one down. Yeah, but yeah, but he but I did. I mean, I think I think you're thinking it might be Wilson uh, that you're thinking of. possibly, but it just you think uh, how bad our mall was two three years ago. And the fact we're now counter mauling and and ter- you know we turned England over at the mall twice in a game is just that's unbelievable compared to yeah. where we were with the mall a few years ago. And the Rory... fact that that they haven't they didn't sort of kick one to the corner and just maul it maul it with a couple yeah. of tries, I mean, you know yeah. that, that didn't happen. We yeah, I mean every, every the time out. every time they tried. Oh, sorry, Cam, carry on. <laughs> well, I was going to say we would say the same thing as the the, the the England's plan at the lineout was obviously we maul it every time. And then they just stopped. They realised they weren't going to get anything from it, and they 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 switched plans. They just realised Scotland weren't going to contest the lineup, were, and we're just going to count them all all the time. There was a really interesting tactic that they deployed though off of the lineouts when they knew the mall was coming because it didn't do it every time. But there was one, and, and I remember noticing it in the second half. England had a, a lineout, I think, deep in their own uh, half within the twenty-two, and they 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 threw in. And then they formed the mall, and Scotland just stood there and looked at them for you know two seconds or so, and then just suddenly attacked the mall. By which point the English had set for the mall, stopped to go, why aren't they hitting us? And then Scotland hit them. At which point yeah. England went back about four or five meters. It's those small things in the in the the the, the, the pack, and those sort of wee tricks that are the difference between you know for this you know in defending the mall. Because it's yeah. doing certain wee things just around timing, etc., that's allowing them to get on the front foot. It's really clever coaching, but it's also really clever execution, and it shows that they all have to understand what the script is. For this, we are going to do X, and for everyone to know that's a defensive pattern, um, and it's maybe easier against England because, as you say, Cam, they're going to go to the mall every time. But there were wee things like that. That is that finessing is really making a difference. Yeah. Uh, and then the back row, um, John Barkley, which is just, I mean, that was an unbelievable performance from John. I mean, he's been quiet, I think, the first two games, but that that was some performance. Yeah, as a as an Edinburgh fan who's biased towards Glasgow, um, I'm extremely excited <laughs> that that he is uh, he's he's being signed for for next season. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean he. Uh, you know, we talked about it. Pretty much everyone had talked about it. The kind of underperformers previously had been Barkley and Barkley and Finn, um, and they both they both stepped up in a major way. Um, and the, it was interesting watching that you could see because sometimes he has a problem. Obviously, he'd had a problem with the referees before, 
um, I think in the Wales game it was, where he was putting his hands on the ground before he challenged for the ball. And yeah. they were saying, you know, you're not supporting your own body weight because you're putting your hand on the deck. Um, and it was very, very interesting, probably with, with most of the turnovers, but certainly with Barclays ones, he was, uh, and when we had Dallin Dimmick on, he was talking about the scrum, but it's a similar thing. He was showing the referee a picture to make sure yeah. that the referee knew that he was challenging legally. And once he's on there, you know, Owens had very little choice but to, to whistle up because he was challenging for it legally. So he was... Um, he was, you know, he was he was making his making his case, and it was it was difficult to argue against it. Watson Watson did the same, and I mean, but we could you could predict that we could see. We were, um, I think, probably Kevin in his preview pieces, and I looked at mine a little bit. England are sort of renowned for not having a not having a sort of open side to fetcher, so it was kind of obvious that Scotland were going to target the breakdown. Why they didn't, why England didn't think about that, um, or just thought they just thought that it would be good enough with their their big monsters to. Uh, to stop us, but I think the the, I mean, the weird guys with the lower centre of gravity. Yeah, I was watching. I was watching something with Richie McCall once when they were talking through, you know, how the jackal and how you do it, and he was pretty much saying once once they've got once you're over the ball, once you've got hold of it, th- there's nothing going to shift you off it. You, once you've got that body position, it's very hard to sort of rip players out of there. And I think once you got the like once you've got, I think once Scotland had got on the right side of Nigel Owens, which is always going. To, I mean, that's not a biased thing. I think it's just what always happens with a referee. Once you get the referee, not on side, but you know, um, seeing things your way. Give, give, yeah. yeah, yeah, seeing things your way, giving you the fifty-fifty, the benefit of the doubt, and the fifty-fifty calls. It's so much easier. Whereas we didn't have that against Wales. I don't think, like you said, Roy, I don't think they were doing as good a job of showing the picture. And I think. It, there's been a couple of photos on social media of of Barkley with his hands on his gr- the ground. But actually, when you look at when he's doing it, there's more players around them, so it's harder for Nigel Owens to see that he's doing it, and he's maybe just be picking picking his battles a bit more and not, mm. you know, the hands are maybe going on the ground when he's confident that there's enough bodies around him that he's not going to get pinged for it, rather than I mean, I think... when it's just one on one. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think Barkley and Watson were prime examples of of technique winning out over the top of just brute you know over brawn effectively the and and this is the bit that i don't and this is where you know if you look at the game more holistically i i'm convinced england just i think eddie jones is right i think actually the way he set his team up um i think he misread scotland i think he completely underestimated the technical ability of the scottish back row and in particular those two players now i i don't understand how you can do that because if anything that they're known for is their technical ability over the ball i mean they've 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 given a hard time to the best side in the world in you know you know a similar situation but i think england came in half cooked and didn't really appreciate the technical ability and thought we'll just stick nathan who nathan hughes to run run them off the ball but i mean considering he ran out of gas about the four minute mark um that didn't really seem the most effective plan um and they played into scotland's hands it was a complete ambush a complete ambush at the breakdown and largely because barclay and watson were sitting there with pits full of punji sticks and and um you know lots of other nasty delights for the english defense to run into or the english attack to run into um i was looking at um hamish watson's stats and he had the most Hamish Watson game I think uh, 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 he, he possibly has ever had, which is he made he made one meter, but in that one meter beat five defenders, <laughs> <laughs> which is just that's that that's very pinball. Um, and then we're, I mean uh, Ryan Wilson, 
Now, for all... Uh, it's one of these weird ones where I looked at Ryan Wilson's stats and they're not that impressive. He's not made a huge amount of tackles. He didn't carry um, uh, that particularly far. But but actually, watching that game, he had a he had a huge game. I mean, that was he's he was very he's solid under the high ball. I think he tackled a lot more. I think than the stats show. And I don't. It'd be interesting to know. I think from people that sort of do these things as as to whether or not you get credit as the sort of second tackler that sort of comes in because there's a lot of two-on-one tackles Scotland were hitting and I don't know whether or not if you're the second to the tackle whether that counts yeah probably not which I think probably is why Ryan Wilson's tackles stats maybe has suffered a bit because he was he was he seemed to be making a lot of tackles a lot more than the stats are showing up but I think he he also was he he was key in certain momentum changing moments you know there was a I think the first uh, turnover of the game, uh, maybe not the first, but one of the one of the early ones in the English twenty-two, where where um, it was where uh, Hugh Jones has kicked on and the ball bounced, and then England wriggled out. I think it was Finn Russell and somebody else went out. Barkley maybe went in for a tackle. He just he he he, he was the one that came through and completely knocked yeah, the English defence, yeah. but he counterrupted and came straight through and just picked the ball up. Um, yeah. You know, and it, that was I think actually might have been picked up in the BBC at the halftime of the BBC game, it was just, it was a momentum shift. It was a, it was a marker mm-hmm. in the sand. And, and Ryan Wilson, you know, w- w- provided that, Christ, even before the game started, by yeah. getting the mindset into a particular place. I mean, he's an absolute pain in the arse, but he's kind of arrogant in the arse. <laughs> that's yeah, it. absolutely. And, that's, and I, th- I think we've said before, we need, Scotland need that. We need, we've maybe been a bit too nice in the past, a bit too honest. And, you know, I think when when Ryan Wilson, I think we've said in the past when Ryan Wilson can combine the pain in the arse side of his game with consistency, that's great. I'm happy for him to be a pain in the arse when he's playing consistently, as he has done. I think since the autumn, it's when he's a pain in the arse and he's not playing consistently that the pain in the arse side of it starts to wear a little bit thin. <laughs> but um, we we we're, we're going to be short on time, so I think what I'll do is I'm going to carry some of the. Um, other regular bits like where's Doogie Donnelly and the like over to next week. Um, so we might as well have a chat while we're talking about Ryan Wilson about the two, um, the two very Ryan Wilson esque incidents. <laughs> peak, peak Wilson. Peak Wilson. Yeah, this. I think that's that's what we call Wilson. We might call this, I might call this episode Peak Wilson um, because of what I mean. There's the we we we'll we'll do it chronologically, shall we? Um, the 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 scuffle in the tunnel. Um, Interestingly, watching the game back, is Sonia McLaughlin said that it was John Barkley that pulled the players apart, but John Barkley later claimed to be in the toilet. Well, yeah, they they, uh, they brought it up in the the press conference. They obviously they asked about it to see if that had a major bearing on the game, which it probably didn't, unless it meant that Owen Farrell lost his lost his mojo or something. But yeah, they they asked John Barkley, and he was like, "Oh no, I was in the toilet." And then they asked Finn Russell, who they thought maybe had been involved, and he was like the you know the the naughty schoolboy who gets blatantly caught doing something by the teacher, but just flat out denies it. So we we weren't really sure, but it, yeah, it transpires it was probably Wilson and uh, Wilson and, and Owen Farrell. But if you you watch the um, the extra footage that's on, I think on Rugby Dump and a few other sites, um, it, basically they're sort of trooping off in two lines, and then some of the Scots kind of spread out a bit so that they're trooping off kind of in a big rabble and Owen, Owen Farrell tries to uh, tries to sort of run through the middle of it. Somebody gets shoulder barged and there's a bit of pushing and shoving and that seems to be about it, really. That's it. I think we're, the, there is some um, uh, 
suggestion, I think, that's come out today that um, Wilson was having words with George Ford, which initially I thought, oh, well, you know, Wilson's from down south. Maybe they played together. They didn't. I checked. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So um, I can, and that's why Farrell rushed in. Now, I can only assume that, um, and I think this is why, I'm just going to start this rumour anyway, that that, that Ryan Wilson was reciting some um, George Ford and Owen Farrell fan fiction to George (laughs) Ford as they left the pitch. (laughs) And Farrell overheard this and decided to rush in and save save his friend. <laughs> oh, I so dearly hope that's the actual reason behind this. <laughs> Ryan Wilson sort of going, here, I, I hear you turn into a dog anytime you get scared. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I don't know. The, the, uh, you know, the, this sort of, like, review seems like a huge overreaction. I mean, you know, they were saying, you know, watching it back, and I think the BBC and Paul O'Connell and Martin Johnson were just sort of, they thought it was amazing that that had happened. Just think it yeah, doesn't happen these days. Right, right up their street. In, in, in fairness, I think they thought it was amazing, but somewhat a missed opportunity to realise they couldn't get sent off before the game started because the referee didn't have any <laughs> locus before the, the, the first whistle starts. But, I mean, yeah. it, it, you're right. It is an absolute overreaction. This sort of stuff must go on all the time. Because yeah. you're going to have 30 guys beating seven layers of whatever out of each other, you know, in fairly short order. And they're pumped up. And, and I go back to the point, unless you're Johnny May and you've been listening to, you know, Tim Rice classics. But the, the thing is, <laughs> is, is that you know Ryan Wilson's going to say something. And, and Owen Farrell <laughs> just needs, because I mean, it's Ryan Wilson, right? I mean, he, let's face it, yeah. he has previous, right? Um <laughs> At least he wasn't in fancy dress this time. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I just think Owen Farrell, you know, suck it up, princess. Um, yeah. Maybe that is what I said. I, I don't, you know, it's a complete nothing burger. I don't, yeah, I think we'll, we'll be eight weeks down the line and a, and a quiet press release will go out from the RBS six stations that, that says nothing to see here. <laughs> I think what's annoying about it, what's annoying about it is that England are seem to be the ones that are sort of briefing against Ryan Wilson a lot from this that you know rather than both both sides saying all right we'll respond in due course have come out and actually started sort of briefing that that it was it was all Ryan Wilson's fault and Owen Farrell was just rushing to the defense of his friend yeah, yeah um, I mean I, I think bless. probably you'd expect in the RFU to show class Yes. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon our. Uh, I reckon the SRU media department are are still still crapping it over the the video of Greg and, and, and they're just oh, they're just like well, like uh, wait. yeah, they're still trying to trying to work out how they get over that one. Trying to manage manage that. You realize <laughs> you do realize that Greg Lidl video is actually properly you know, proper SRU video footage. It was probably yeah. taken by the media team. I can't believe they were in a state of sobriety after yeah. that game either, right? <laughs> they need to stick that on a DVD. Just get over it and stick it on a DVD extra. Yeah. Um, do they have DVDs these days? I don't know. Whatever the kids are watching. <laughs> um, Netflix. Uh, and then the next, I mean, the next Wilson, Wilson issue um, was the, um, yeah, the, the alleged eye gouging or cheek stroking gate, as I'm going to call it, because um, I watched it back earlier today, and he, his finger goes near his eye, but only because he's trying to shove him away because um, Nathan Hughes has got his hands around his throat. Nathan Hughes, who I, is considerably larger and on top of him. Yes, I don't. I you know there is. I think Brian Moore said at the time, "Oh, there's contact near the eye," but uh, it was on the big screen, and Nigel didn't do anything about it. He, in fact, Nigel's response was watching it. He goes, "We all right? Everything okay, boys?" And they went, "Yep." And he goes, "Okay." 
Yeah, that was yeah, actually, actually, his response was, "I what's what's going on?" They went, "That was it." Don't really know, and he said, "Well, if you don't know, get on with the game." You yeah. know, that's Maybe. it. And if and if that that was the point for Nathan Hughes to go. He took, you know, he stuck his finger in my eye, sir. And he yes. would, you know, and then instantly go, "Right, okay, I'll watch it back." And and nothing was said. It's you watch it back. He but, I mean, he's pushing his face away. His finger does go near his eye, but I think it'll be very harsh if. Yeah, if I mean that's kind of it. kind of just because his eyes are on his face. It's sort of yeah. un- What business has he got having eyes on his face? I know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I think, but I think Dimmick made the point during the game, Rory, uh, to you and I was that sort of stuff. Why are they putting? I mean, I would ask, why is that going up on the big screen? Because you yeah. put it in super, super slow mo, you can make anything look bad, right? Yeah. Um, any tackle, and, any tackle, anything. I mean, even the, exactly. the the Atoji sort of late hit on Hog looks horrendous, but actually, when you, yeah, I think Nigel has made the right call. He said. He was committed to the hit, and that's that's all. When you watch it in slow motion, it looks like an age since the ball has gone, and then all of a sudden he clatters into hog. Yeah, one thing you actually. Just you, done it. Yeah, one thing you did that I don't know if it, it, <laughs> I haven't seen back on the TV, but I actually picked up on the the ref Mike Hoggy actually ran about thirty meters across the park at the next sort of lineout to say to Nigel Owens, "I wasn't a dive, sir." You know, clear, clearly worrying. Yeah, clearly worrying about um, after the Newcastle yeah, after game. Newcastle, <laughs> Newcastle, and he was like, it, was, "It wasn't." And Nigel was just like, "I, I didn't say a thing." And he was like, "I just wanted, you yeah. know." And then, and he was like, "Yeah, no, you're fine." Because I mean, it, yeah. it wasn't when you look at it. He did, he did kind of get a little clatter, but he sort of he kind of shifted himself out of the way in midair, and which would have looked like he probably took took a dive. But yeah, I think there was yeah. nothing in that. No um, substitutes. Um, I, they all did a good job. I thought Nell, like I said, Nell came on, did a job at the scrum. I, I actually thought I, Nick Griggs. So it was because it was hard to see, but he, he made eleven. I think he's, he made one of the the most meters of any back that played the full eighty. Yeah, he was just that one one carry where he bursted two, bursted about five through, of them. And then I could just all I could hear him because because we were at the opposite end to that, and so all I could see was just like a swarm of about five England players. Moving up the pitch, <laughs> and and Nigel Owen screaming in the ref mic, not held, not held. Yeah, it's like, it's like, <laughs> like trem- tremors or something. You can just see the kind of disturbed English players, but you can't see what's what's going through the underneath. So I think it's on the blood and mud they call it sort of council. Was it council estate strength? It's a thing of like it's, it's the sort of small bouncer. Um, yeah, sort of thing. You know, it's, it's, he's the one you want to watch for the 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 sub six foot small centre that you think, yeah. oh, we could have him. You can't. <laughs> he'll, he'll totally roundhouse kick you in the face. <laughs> yes. Um, but I think I, for the subs, I think Nick Rigg was probably my pick of the subs. I thought he came on and sort of got the, the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, I think elsewhere it was, yeah, Scott Lawson didn't get a chance to, to mess things up. Um, that's a bonus. Yeah, I think uh, it, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was actually quite good watching Nell who came on and basically used his scrum now to sort of run down the clock for the last yeah. couple, of, couple of minutes where he sort of, he, he kind of let a few go down. And then as soon as the, as Nigel looked like he was about to lose his patience, he just said, all right, boom. And then what a scrum. <laughs> <laughs> We've missed yeah. you. You've that, missed your VP. Yeah. And that was exactly the sort of game that you want Tim Swinson playing in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. also ended up in a fight with somebody, right? Did he? Yeah, there were, oh, there was a sort of pile up. Yeah. Pile up. Yeah, it's probably that time of the game. Um, I think we've done. Um, that's a, a good summary of the game. Um, we've very quickly, very briefly on on the uh, fantasy league. Um, I am in I am in fifteenth position. 
Haha. Ha. Right. How are you guys getting on? Yeah, I'm 15th. Uh, 19th, I think. I'm on your heels, Cammy. Oh. Oh, we're doing quite well then, as as, a, as writers, this writers and contributors. This is two of us in the top twenty. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm pretty sure I'm doing poorly. I uh, I did have Hugh Jones as the captain, but I didn't pick Stockdale, unlike you boys. Um, yeah. And I, I like I had Hamish Watson, but he only scored the six point five, so he must have not been doing whatever it is that gets you the gets you the points. I have to say though that I'm doing. I'm also doing the uh, the offside line predictor league. And Doogie Vipond and myself, I think, were the only ones who picked a Scotland win, so that'll put us shooting up the rankings on that one. You also though expected you, you also put France down to win by forty, Rory. So, uh, no, you know. France by eight. My email was misread. <laughs> have you have you have you sent the correction through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been I've been assured it'll be uh, it'll be treated honestly. Good. I'm sure it will. Um, well, let's do. We'll, we'll go. We'll go straight on to this. So it's time for Hands in the Ruck. It's our Any Other Business uh, section of the podcast. Uh, apologies to those of you who have sent in Dear Jim Telfers. Um, we, uh, I think because of the nature of that fantastic win, we uh, have are running uh, low on time. Uh, so we will pick those up next week um, when we do the Ireland preview, which I had hoped to do again. But again, we've we've gone on too long about that England game, and and so we should. Um, but let's do hands in the ruck. We've had quite a few through um, Twitter and the like. Um, at G at JG time um, said the Guardians, the Times and no at JG sorry has gone for the Times and the Guardians player ratings. Al, um, I understand this may be your hands in the ruck too. Yeah, I, yeah, I've got two hands in the rucks, but this was my my proper hands in the ruck. I don't know if you've seen The Guardian. Rory and I were reading this on the way back up after the game. Um, and it was difficult I, I, was, uh, to... I was driving, of you course, were... safely. <laughs> but, but, with, but with difficulty as, uh, as we ran through these. Um, I'll give you a flavour without going into too much depth, but if I look at the English player ratings, they're a general mixture of sixes and fives, which would seem probably a point heavy on all of those. But Joe Didn't Launchbury... He give, he... Did he give Sam so Simmons... A, a, a seven or something, even though he got yellow carded. Uh, Sam Simmons wasn't playing. Sam Underhill. So if Simmons Sam had Underhill, got it, that it. would have been um, even yeah, more of a Sam ball Underhill. Um, Sam Underhill. That was it. Joe Launchbury got a seven, which would be the same rating as. And let me just tell you which players then they think that equated to on the Scotland side: <clears throat> Sean Maitland, hmm, Greg Laidlaw, Gordon Reid, Stuart McAnally, Grant Gilchrist, Johnny Gray, John Barkley, Hamish Watson, Ryan Wilson, and the pièce de résistance, Hugh Jones. Oh, seven, seven out of ten. Seven. Apparently, seven. Joe Lundgren was as good as, as all, every almost all of the Scotland players. Good grief. <laughs> so, I mean, Milad, I rest my case. Yeah, oh, I mean, you know. Yeah. You, we we take quite a lot of stick for the the player ratings on the on the site, but this is why we have a system where it's possible to get a zero and it's possible to get a ten because otherwise you just end up with meaningless guff like that where nobody gets anything outside of a five or a seven. Yeah, because you've got to presumably you've got to interview them at some point as well. Yeah, I suppose we we don't <laughs> tend to have that problem. So no. Um... Uh, I had a sub at uh, half time. This is exciting. At half time, I had a submission for hands in the ruck from my brother, um, who said the two blokes who were sat behind us they were his hands in the ruck. Um, who, um, when the first, Scotland won the first penalty, shouted "kick it to the corner," 
which my brother just went, oh, for <laughs> under his breath. Um, and then every single time the ball went out to the England win, we're just screaming, tackle, 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 with my brother just going, they're going to get there. They're drifting across <laughs> under his breath. So, yeah, that, that my brother was, um, yeah, my brother hugely enjoyed. He actually swapped seats and <laughs> came to sit further away from them um, at halftime. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, if you are lucky enough to... Um, See me in person um, by virtue of being related to me. That's another way you can get hands in the rucks and matches. Um, <laughs> Kaelin Geeky um, has said that Owen Slot of the Times has suggested that uh, now knock-on laws should be changed because of England's disallowed try. Uh, he reckons it penalises the big tackle. <laughs> so basically, what this means is every time England get out, outsmarted or something happens in a game that England play where the rules don't quite suit their way of playing, we should just change the rule book. A bit like with the Italy game. Oh, well, ru- rugby, that... rugby is in England, isn't it? <laughs> so it's their <laughs> so game and they're one. taking it home. <laughs> That's it, they're taking their ball home. We can do what we want. That's it. Um, Bruce McConaughey um, has his hands in the rock is why Hugh Jones and Tommy Seymour don't have blue ticks on the Twitters. Um <laughs> Uh, someone called Dunks on Twitter, uh, his hands in the rock, he says, uh, hands in the rock for Joe Launchbury, which I thought was very good. <laughs> um, he um, actually had his hands in the rock. Yeah, he did. Um, Rory, your hands in the rock. Well, um, I was going to do like the glut of fairly poor Scottish rugby parody accounts that seem to have appeared on Twitter in the last two weeks, who I'm not sure have got the firmest grasp on the meaning of the word parody, because yeah. they're basically just Twitter accounts, but they're pretending to be Greg Laidlaw or Gregor Townsend yeah. without actually sort of really grasping the elements yeah. of their personality find, that would be hilarious. Find an angle, find yeah. an angle and stick to it and be consistent. Like like Stern, Stern Vern Cotter was easy to do, which yeah. is why there were so many of them. Or, uh, I mean, even even the uh, the Toonie Town Council, which uh, yeah. whose creator shall remain nameless, but um, yeah. at least there was some sort of angle there. There was an angle until the creator got bored with it yeah. and ran out of ideas, but, which is the thing. Um, but the, the thing is now that there, there's an open goal here, Drunk Grieg. Yeah, exactly, Drunk yeah, Grieg. Absolutely. Or, I mean, the, the, or you know, Finn Russell is almost a parody of himself anyway. So why yeah. is the Finn Russell parody account not just like that rather than trying to be angry Finn Russell who just doesn't exist? Um, anyway, but that's that was what I was going to talk about, but we've talked about that. I was actually, um, I, my hands in the ruck was, uh, was Nick Knowles. <laughs> of, of, of DIY SOS and uh, just in general, um, Nigel Owens taking stick from from England fans, yeah. suggesting that he's biased. Um, I mean, I've watched the game back three times, and obviously, I have you know thistle, navy blue, tartan tinted glasses on. But um, you know, there are a few there are a few incidents. Um, the 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 uh, laws knock on not being one of them. Um, maybe. Maybe the Danny Kerr intercept, where actually it, it was the right call that he made because um, the guy wasn't supporting his weight, but he made it a bit too slowly. So you know, it seemed I don't know was he should he have played, played an advantage? No, um, but uh, yeah, there's little there's little else that I've managed to see in the game that you could sort of chalk up to anything more than the ref can't see everything, and you know yeah. the ref's not going to catch every single offence in in a whole game um we've made you know we've tried over the last five years not to blame the ref it was easy to start out when you know we used to have a go at clancy all the time and stuff but to be fair you've got to be wise to your own failings 
uh, and also your own failure to adapt when the ref is clearly seeing things differently. I mean, if you think about how Barkley and Watson got on at the breakdown in the last Calcutta Cup when basically the referees saw everything you know, differently to them and they didn't get any change at the breakdown. That's probably how England felt, but you know, we didn't blame yeah. the referee after that game. So, yeah, suck it up, Nick Knowles, and I'm going to boycott uh, DIYSS from now on. <laughs> I think it was the fact that he added or ta- you know, tagged Nigel yeah. Owens in the tweet. That, that I think, you know, he's... Fr- there was one I think that somebody had flagged today, which is some bloke that works for a southern newspaper was uh, it's fairly <laughs> choice words that, yeah. about um, he's now protected his tweets after someone reported it to the police for being racist because he called us all haggis munchers or something yes. like that. Um, which the, but <laughs> and he claims know, yeah, to be a you, journalist. I know. I think that's if you're tweeting from uh, a work account, you know, don't 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 tweet that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I thought that. I think you can't, you know, there's only so much that referees can see. And if, you know, what's the, the alternative is that we go to an NFL style of refereeing where games last for five hours because we have to stop every two seconds because, you know, Eddie Jones is sort of throwing a flag on the pitch, you know, <laughs> asking for a stoppage and for decisions to be reviewed. And that's not what anybody wants. What we want, and I think you can't, you know, so you can't have it both ways. You can't say, you know, um, oh, we want referee, we don't want interference from TMOs, we want, the referees to use their judgment and let games flow and you know um not be blowing every five minutes um but at the same time then getting upset when you know referees are fallible or not that i think nigel Owens was apart from maybe the obstruction the first england penalty but you know that's with my thistle blue tinted glasses on <laughs> um al your your hands in the rock your your second one you can have two this week yeah and this one, this one personally irks me. That's the reason it's in hands in the rack, I guess. Um, Rory and I were at the first um, Eddie Jones press conference two years ago in the Calcutta Cup game, and it was a dire game. Eddie Jones came out. I mean, and I'm going to make you work here, Cam. So apologies, but he is, I mean, a monumentally classless fud, and. Um, he came out in that game. I mean, I remember him very distinctly saying, I think it was Vunapola was the greatest, you know, prop in world rugby I, or some similar nonsense. And he, he is he's just absolutely terrible when England win. So with great glee, delight and, you know, a fairly large skip in my step, I made my way <laughs> to the press conference on Saturday thinking this is going to be just wonderful viewing and he had the absolute horrible indecency to be fair honest (laughs) have a go at his own media and just generally being all right and i was so disappointed he ruined my evening the only thing that made up for it was um dylan hartley's interview which (laughs) uh, which i think rory we did get a wee bit of a clip of, and when I, 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 I was the, what was the question, Rory? Can you remember the, what the question, the question was? The question was, um, can you explain the? I think they, they talked about um, there was a lack of intensity from England, and then um, someone asked Dylan Hartley if he did, could explain the reason for the lack of intensity from England, and his answer went a little I'm, bit I'm, like I'm this. Just, yeah, I'm just going to play the the clip. So ready? Here it goes. Now, that was it. That was all he said in the entire interview. And there, there, there was, was a, a moment when he, there was, was a squeaky chair that sounded like a fart. Yeah, it was. It was just. 
there was a moment where you just wondered, is he is is he having a stroke? Is he <laughs> going to say anything? Is he going to throw a table at him? No, you got a, a pretty much a one word answer. It was. Was, and that was the I'm only sweet. question he answered as well. <laughs> yeah, and everyone gave up at that point. Yeah, you were getting absolute death stares from their press guy by the looks of it when you took a photo of Eddie Jones and um, oh, Tilly maybe, Hartley. Maybe there was like a no head, no, I don't know. Right, I don't who care. Who knows? Um, my hands in the rock is, um, it's actually, to be fair, it's it's the unfair, I think, stick that England fans get and it's down to the fault of a minority um, because uh, walking back to the station after the match, I was having some great chat with a guy from Leeds, um, really nice guy. He said, he, he, his opening gambit was, well, you were lucky. And I went, well, actually we weren't. And then we had a really nice conversation where actually he accepted that Scotland were the better team. And it, on the train back, it was, everyone was very fair and very lovely and very, and, and pleased for Scotland. And that was nice to hear and nice to see. And it made for a really good atmosphere. However, having said that, you then have the likes of John Inverdale, you know, saying things like, oh, um, I met the RFU guys before the game and they were all, they're up for this, they think we're going to win. And you get the stuff in the media that we talked about earlier. You have, um, I'm going to name them Rugby Inside Line. Um, It's worth looking at their Twitter feed for the complete meltdown they had, um, where they (laughs) dissected every single breakdown and pointed out every single decision that Nigel Owens got wrong, um, how it was some sort of giant conspiracy. (laughs) Um, um, It's only conspiracy when Ireland are involved, don't they, Noel? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it it got me thinking, I think it's a bit like, I think somebody, and probably... uh, Sort of through the again because Berica in both unions and uh, my dad was chairman for a bit is that you know the guys at the head of the RFU are not like John Inverdale they're not like Stuart Barnes they're they're nice down to earth guys like any other sort of normal sensible rugby fan and I think the somebody somewhere I know it, it sort of struck me a little bit like with Dan Bigger where it's constantly in the referee's ear and someone from the Wales team needs to pull him aside and tell him to shut up <laughs> is somebody from the RFU. Um, or somewhere just needs to get a hold of the likes of Stuart Barnes, um, Stephen Jones, and John Enverdale, and say, "Look, guys, you are killing us. Absolutely, you know, the, the, you're making these teams want to beat us. And it's not. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's the majority. It's the min- the vocal minority once again. You know, John Enverdale opening the, you know, the, the coverage of the Calcutta Cup, saying that you know, talking about the Six Nations decider at the last weekend. You know, before the games even kicked off." <laughs> I think probably one of the um, best tweets we had of the weekend was from um, Martin Bell of at Ember Express in, in response to all of that. Um, and he just tweeted the, the classic Jim Telfer quote. Um, and I'll read it out here. I'm not going to do the Jim Telfer voice. Um, there are two types of rugby player, boys. There's honest ones and there's the rest. The honest player doesn't complain about the food or the beds or the referees. These are just peripheral things that weak players have always complained about. The dishonest players. And um, that seems a good point. Is any to leave it this week? Um, I'll maybe leave the final word to Jason Kirk on Twitter, who just said English tears taste so good. Um, like I said, if you're listening to this and you're not Scottish, um, you know we don't get to be bad winners um, that often. So um, I hope we've not been too ungracious. Um, that's it for us this week. Uh, we had hoped to get a lot more into this, but we we ran out of time. Um, Rory and I have 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 gone. It's it's past their bedtime. Um, 
don't forget to um, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you've enjoyed us. Uh, please stop leaving us uh, one-star reviews if you don't. Um, just stop listening. That's probably the easiest thing to do. Um, we will be back next week at some point uh, to preview the Ireland game. We will catch up with all the dear Jim Telfers that you've kindly sent through on the blog, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. Uh, but for now, it's goodbye from me um, and um, sweet dreams to Rory and Al. <laughs>